The McElroy brothers are not experts, and their advice should never be followed. Travis insists he's a sexpert, but if there's a degree on his wall, I haven't seen it. Also, this show isn't for kids, which I mention only so the babies out there will know how cool they are for listening. What's up, you cool baby? Feels like it's better, it's better with you. My life, it's better, it's better with you. This is true, it's better, it's better with two. My life, it's better with you. Um, Here's a Yahoo that was sent in by Matt Estevez. Thank you, Matt. It's by Yahoo Answers user Yoville. Posted in Arts and Humanities History. <laughs> Yoville asks, what are the ranks in the Illuminati? Name all of the ranks or anything <coughs> they... Name all of the ranks or anything they use to describe their self as. Woo. Well, there's the Bluebirds and the Cardinals. And the Bluebirds are the more advanced Illuminati, and the Cardinals are the ones that need some help. Is that some if, Redwall shit? No, it's like a it, that's like elementary school stuff. I don't heard that. I I think that if anyone answers this question, then they're not Illuminati because they would know better than yeah because they would know better than to reveal the secrets. Um, let me bounce something that Yahoo Answers user Armorer. Armor Woe mm-hmm. uh, responded with very helpful stuff from Rome. Uh, they said, the leader of the Earth's Illuminati, so that's a pretty fucking crazy six words right there. <laughs> <laughs> the leader of the Earth's Illuminati is called the Pindar. Cool. The Pindar is a member of one of the 13 ruling Illuminati families and is always male. That's kind of fucked up, mm-hmm. but, that, but it's 2014. But really, uh, there's probably a good reason for that. In this next sentence, the title Pindar is an abbreviated term for Pinnacle of the Draco, also known as the Penis of the Dragon. Ah, uh, I was so hoping that's what it would be. The Penis of the Dragon is probably my favorite Stephen King book. It doesn't get a lot of credit, but uh, I'm deeply into it. Yeah. All well, hail me, the Penis of the Dragon. Why are you giggling? Why There's are like, you all giggling? You're the worst Illuminati. Scott. <laughs> Scott. Scott Illuminati? Scott Illuminati, I hear you giggling underneath your innate mask. Scott. It must be so frustrating to be a member of the Illuminati as everybody is like just spreading out this shit and you want to say like, hey, that's not true. Hey, that's but- not how it's work. It's Gooch of the Dragon. God. <laughs> I'm the Gooches. But you can't I am the Gooches of Earth's Illuminati. <laughs> Wouldn't it be hard to be the penis of the dragon and then somebody cuts in line in front of you at the Chinese buffet and you're like, because they want the last of the coconut shrimp and you're like, hey, you better not do that. And they look at you, why? And you got, and you just have to stare at the floor and say, oh, I can't nah, tell you, never mind. But you better not you can't because do it. I'm the penis of, uh, 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 um, uh, uh, um, I'm the enus pay uh, of the agandre. Just pay, you just make a triangle with your fingers. It's like, get it, get it, <laughs> and then you put that triangle close to your crotch to make it look like a penis tip, and then you flap your wings like a dragon. <laughs> get it? The shrimp is yours. You win. I'm leaving. Um, there do have to be like certain levels of of Illuminati. You can't just start as like full fledged like on the the council Illuminati. You've got to start as like junior Illuminati, right? I think there's a surefire, like, I don't know how anybody finds out about it, but I've seen the yahoos that Drew Davenport sends in. If that cat has not found how to get into the Illuminati yet, I don't think anybody ever will. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like he probably would have unearthed it by now. Um, well, but how would are we you know? Suggest, are you suggesting, yeah. Travis, that maybe there's like an Illuminati Awanas program? Yeah. A, 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 Illuminati 
uh, brownies or something. Yeah, like you're you're a Cub Scout Illuminati. You know, you start yeah. you're making Pinewood Derby first, and then yeah. like ten years later, you're ruling the world. You're controlling all the bank cartels mm-hmm. and shit. Yeah. Well, how do they know? They're not just going to like first day Illuminati hand you the reins to the American government. Yeah, they won't even admit that you're in it (laughs) first. You got to be really careful. They won't admit the Illuminati exists until you're a couple ranks in. Sometimes it's just people trying to trick you out of your rent money. So wait, am I in the Illuminati or not? Well, I guess are you the real Illuminati? Six months in, it's like, hey, you didn't show up to our bowling game on Tuesday. Oh, so it is a bowling league. Fuck, guess wrong again. Shit. Do you think when you start off in the Illuminati, they let you like control a student government and like just see how you do with that (laughs) first? The first, the first thing you control is is a fantasy football league. That's where you start in the Illuminati. But no one can know about it. My name's Scott Jenkins, and I'm running for Huntington High School's tip of the dragon penis. (laughs) Just a tip, please vote Scott. I'm going to sort down the lunch signs on Taco Tuesday. Vote for me for Dragon Penis. Uh, I seen you running in the halls. I have cameras everywhere. Scott. The principal comes to him in a robe. Tell me what to do. (laughs) Milkshake machine. It's really the final level of adulthood, and you you may think that you are ready for it when when you actually buy a house. You are not ready for it uh, because it's still very bizarre to me that there are whole areas in my house. If I open a door to them and I look at them, I don't know what they do. Like I don't yeah. even know what they are or like why they are. I had a thing. Do you this, live in the Winchester house? What are you talking no, about? No, you open a door to a closet. You're like, what is this? No, I'm talking. Okay, I'll give you an example. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went down to turn the furnace on for the first time. I, I guess it would have been a month or so ago now. I go down to turn the furnace on for the first time. And I see this thing called uh, the, this like a humidifier that's sort of like built into the system there that like, as far as I know, I've never used. Hmm. And I was like, whoa, I could be having more humid air this mm-hmm. whole time, but I didn't really know how it works. So I kind of turned some things and t- opened a valve and did all that kind of business. And I was like, mm, okay, humidity, ahoy. I go down three days later, my basement carpet is fucking soaked. Like literally standing water in my basement carpet, water everywhere, because this thing just apparently it's like humidifying jam is just spitting water randomly. Yeah. So I ruined my house. <laughs> so, so, you just, so you just boarded up the basement and you called that one a loss. I don't, yeah, I don't have that it's room a, anymore. It really is it's like a weird. It's island. <laughs> it really is weird. Like, how many times have you been in your attic, Justin? Uh, Twice a year, once to get the Christmas lights out and once to put them back. Okay, I, I've I've been in our attic uh, twice. Uh, once when we like right when we moved in, and then uh, again when our HVAC unit up there stopped working, and that was after that we had roofers come and replace every single shingle on our roof a month after we moved in. Homeownership fucking rules, you guys. Um, and I realized that in nailing those new shingles in, they had turned our attic into a fucking Hellraiser pain box. Uh, because there are uh, infinity nails coming through the ceiling, it's like an it's like a goddamn Iron Maiden up there. So no, I, I don't think, think I don't think I will ever be going into that room again. Thanks. What on earth were you planning to do about your broken HVAC unit when you went up there? I thought I, I was, got what this. was your pl- did you think there would be a switch that said broken <laughs> and you would just flip it to fixed? Like I, is that is that what you were hoping for? He was gonna I, reason with it. I went up there, I was using my phone as a flashlight, and I had a fucking uh, hex wrench from an IKEA cabinet I had bought. And so I <laughs> were you ready could, to do battle with it? Like I was seeing what I could do up up just just surveying the you know what? Yeah, honey, I tightened a couple of hex bolts and it started working again. Apparently, you're, just all the hex bolts were loose. You're laughing? I used that fucking hex wrench to fix our garbage disposal. So you don't know anything about shit, do you? <laughs> it's, it is the universal nano tool. Um, so what, is, what does this person need to know before they get a house? You don't know. You real, Please realize, like, you don't know. Be, be prepared to be reverted to, like, baby state. Especially with, like, buying a house. That process is in 
scrutable. Yeah. I still don't know if I bought this house. Our, our realtor no would just come to us. No one's gotten rid of me yet. Our realtor would just come to us like, hey, I need $300 for the... And I'd be like, yep, here you go. Take it. It's yours now. I, I never had that money, I guess. Were you buying the house from the ancient ones? Yeah, it was a deep tongue. <laughs> I hear that it's a really I got a really great deal on this house, but except for that, the walls are full of rats. Yeah. And the seeping floors. They're this floors. I, are, well, that's Justin's. Oh, yeah. Justin, has. This. I would say for my money, like I'm so happy being a renter like Teresa and I have have often considered homeownership. But like, I don't know. I think what's always scared me most about it is that like the permanence. And I know you can always sell your house, but in this market, it seems like such a permanent Ooh, this decision. market. The problem with renting is that you're just putting your money into a shitter and you're shitting on it and then you're flushing it. It's it's insult to injury. How were you paying your rent? Huh? Is that oh. how you were paying your rent? I pay it to my landlord, Mr. Toilet. <laughs> <laughs> um oh, no. uh, yeah, it's it's an investment, Travis, in yourself and your family. I had a baby this summer, so I spent the entirety of nature's bounty of sunlight watching Canadian Dragon's Den on YouTube. You watching need to tell me now, the Would that have been different had the baby not been present? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yeah. because You would have watched American Dragon's Den. Now I would, because we both would have been drunk. <laughs> that would have been different. Now only one of you can be drunk at a time. You got to tag team it. Uh... Is that how it works? I actually watched all eight seasons Holy of Canadian Dragons Den on YouTube. They're all on YouTube. Here's the weirdest thing. There's one episode where it is inexplicably the only version of this one episode on YouTube is tilted 45 degrees. <laughs> so the whole episode is at a 45 degree tilt. And damned if we didn't sit there with our heads slightly askew and watch that. You, whole. Gotta, well, you, yeah, gotta, you don't want to miss an episode. You'll be, you'll right, be lost you just, in the plot. You just got to make sure you don't get taco neck syndrome. <laughs> Jamez asks, interview at McDonald's, should I eat there before? So I've got an interview at McDonald's and I've been craving a Big Mac for a while. Will it look good or bad if I buy one right before I have my interview or right after? I, I, I think you're missing the obvious and it's during. Well, like, you don't. Yeah, you, you keep asking questions. I'm going to get in on this Big Mac. You purchase it and then you take it into the interview is what you're saying. This is what you're suggesting. Yeah. In your pocket. And then you do like a, do you mind? Om nom 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 nom. Um, or right after. I think right after sends a very good signal where you're like, well, I think this went well. So well, in fact. I gotta get those two all beef patties, special sauce, those cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Thank you very much. And you say, I think it'll be the first of many mm -hmm. that you will week. give me for free for working here. It's Do you get free food working at McDonald's? Do you think you, you get have free? to? You have to, right? You get the leftover burgers and fries at the end of the night. The leftover burgers? They make yeah, them they, to order. They throw them in like a grocery bag. But they make them to order. Oh, like. sure, sure they do, Griffin. Thanks for buying into the hype. But that's the thing. I think you eat it beforehand, and you just make the person who's about to interview you watch you eat it to show you what a good, oh, good burger boy you are. And watch you enjoy it. Mm. Oh, yeah. Dripped on mm. my shirt. I don't care. Ooh. I can't help but notice you got a little bit of dribble on your shirt there. Yeah, there's a good reason for that. Your burgers are fucking delicious. Can you uh, buy two Big Macs beforehand, set them at a table, and then, like, once your manager arrives, uh, like, the manager arrives, you lead him to that table. Like, oh, look. Look what we have here. <laughs> Isn't this convenient? I kind of slide what, it. What, what, what have we found? And then see if he'll eat it? Because I've always been curious. What do they know? <laughs> Can you roll up with a Big Mac and then hold it in front of the person who's interviewing you and just tear it in half? <laughs> no. I killed one. One down, right, guys? I'll fucking kill every Big Mac in this place. <laughs> what if, okay, okay, don't have a Big Mac during your interview. You want to prove something? Eat, like, a record number of Big Macs. Have him join you at a table with, like, 20 Big Macs and try to set a Big Mac eating world record as you conduct the interview. See, now, Justin, I thought you were going to say, sit down with a, a bag, open it up, pull out a Whopper. That's, oh, that's what I meant to say, but Whoa. I said Big Mac the whole time. 
Burger King does the Whoppers, right? Yes. I yeah. fucked that whole thing up. Oh, you thought it was Whopper. I fucked that whole sentence up. When I was talking about go to Burger King and you get a Whopper and bring it back and you tear it in half in front of everybody to say I've sacrificed one. <laughs> this is the sacrifice this McDonald's demanded. I don't eat a lot of fast food, you guys. I eat mostly ancient grains. Let me throw this. <laughs> I, think, I think something that would make a pretty good impression if you're interviewing to be like a, a, a fry cook at McDonald's is tell them how you would do things differently. Oh. I think you should tell them like how you would spice up the burgers differently or some recipes you want to try. I would throw in some black bean burgers. Bring in a big like gallon bag of like your special spices <laughs> that you pop <laughs> This is what you, this is your current product. Fucking right, the big man. Fucking classic. Pull, pull an avocado out of your pocket. I want you to taste this burger. I just bought this from your from uh from the line. Now I want you to try this burger I made. Do you like that? We it did are, take it did take me two and a half hours to make, so it might slow down production. We are describing the plot of Good Burger. <laughs> We just wrote Good Burger. <laughs> if you put three brothers in front of typewriters for all of eternity, one of them will eventually write Good Burger. That's the law of large numbers. Oh, Jesus. This Yahoo was sent in by uh, Rachel Sperling, Game Recognized Game. Thank you, Rachel. It's by Yahoo Answers user Brian who asks, Why is Peepaw so rude? So today I was at my Peepaw's household, and he sneezed in my face. It's <laughs> pretty good. Then, then laughed about it. Yeah. He's always doing rude things like this, and tripping me and my boyfriend when we walk by, and spitting on my ferret. <laughs> the other day, he even picked his nose and wiped his booger on my clothing. <laughs> Travis Patrick McElroy. He's good. These are solid. How can we get him to stop being so rude? <laughs> Why? Spitting on the ferret is out of control. That's some next level rude grandpa technique. <laughs> you think your grandpa's rude talking about the war and and just incessantly and talking about his friends and their sacrifices? So rude. I'll, my grandpa spits on my ferret. Fuck you. You don't know shit. <laughs> These are all good goofs. If I was my, watching this happen, I would I would lose it. Why is this ferret caked in grandpa spit? I'll tell you why. Because my my jeeps, I I if if I uh, God willing live to an elderly age, I'm doing this. I'm hitting that point oh, where it's in like, a heartbeat. out the window. What are you gonna say? But like this is your kin. Yeah, shouldn't you be nice to your to your kin? Don't you want them to remember you? I know Sorry. how angry I am at people who are younger than me now. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine that's going to be compounded in the intervening decades. Yeah. Don't even be young around me. I live in an apartment hmm. with a shared coin-operated coin, <laughs> coin laundry unit. The washing machine takes 40 minutes. The dryer takes one hour. I know this because if you don't set timers and come and get your laundry nice and quick, an unknown assailant steals it. You come back a couple hours later and the clothes aren't on the floor, and the sink, or even the garbage. They're just gone. Other residents have complained about the same thing and having bleach thrown on their drying towels. Help, brothers. What can I do to bring this full injustice or protect my stuff? It's happened three times now, and I'm very low on underwear. Got swing through me on these just real quick. Yeah. That's from got, got done down, got, got done down under, I guess? Yeah, you got it. Got it in one. Um, sounds to me like you got yourself a laundry Krampus on your hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Leverage recently, and I think you just need to set up an elaborate con. Well, it's going to have to be a fucking super elaborate con to catch a Krampus. Well, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I miss that show, To Catch a Krampus. <laughs> <laughs> it was doing such good work. Mm-hmm. Getting, all them getting the Krampus. Yeah. I mean, it was too many Krampus. It was Krampus entrapment, and and it, it's hard to argue that in court. But um, but they were doing the Lord's work. What kind of weird dude is like? Okay, I just saw someone take their laundry in. I'm gonna go throw bleach on their towels. That's the only way I can feel. Um, I uh, I used to live in an apartment uh, 
where everybody kept their detergent uh, in the laundry room. And I so you never buy, had to buy. And I did not buy detergent for two years. <laughs> you were, I, look around the room. Look around the room. If you don't see a Krampus, you are the Krampus. <laughs> don't don't pick and choose. The, the lifeblood that you drain out of us. We're giving you food. Eat, eat. We are your, your three-headed giving tree. Mm-hmm. And now that we're just a stump, you're going to sit on us. Mm-hmm. We also have three butts. That's not why, important to this why story. Would you, why would you need to make that? Why would you need to specify that? I'm just trying to clarify the mental picture. The, the original giving <laughs> tree didn't have one butt, Travis. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. How do you know that, Griffin? Because I... Ask the author. Take a second to think about the fact that the Giving Tree had a butt. I have read every piece of Giving Tree slash fiction that exists. Oh, that probably exists, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. The Giving and Taking Tree. Hachi machi. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, okay, Trav, you did some some weird... <laughs> some weird copy pasta here, my friend. Oh, man, I am reading some Giving Tree slash fiction. <laughs> Okay. It oh, is no. all stump knots and bumps and dents. <laughs> it is it is all sap and ruination. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Turn it off. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You give no. us a, a slice. It's just a sample. Isn't it better just to... Know how it's affecting me. <laughs> Let Griffin take this hit. No need. Uh, no need to ruin it for no, all of us. No. This is a. This is. Oh, this is illegal. Griffin is absorbing all of this like John uh, Coffee from the Green oh, Mile. Just leave take- the lights on. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Fuck me. Oh my god, and it ends with okay, there's it's extremely explicit. And it ends <laughs> but it ends the way I think the book should end. This is the last sentence, and this is actually kind of beautiful. The shit before it, decidedly not beautiful. The boy laid down and wrapped himself around his childhood friend and love of his life. Ah, with one final sigh of contentment, gross, and a smile on his face, the boy closed his tired old eyes for the last time. <gasps> he dies on the tree that he just fucked and with a huge fucked, boner and was fucked by thank you giving tree slash fiction did he fuck the tree to death did he that was his last <laughs> he fucked it in half did he is this his last his last his last action <laughs> Author's note, to enhance your reading experience of my tale of love and reconciliation, I suggest that you listen to Jeff Buckley's Hallelujah while reading. Oh, I heard no. there was a secret tree that you could fuck. <laughs> and all your childhood memories are dead. Brothers, my boyfriend's mother recently learned she would be receiving a sizable inheritance. I think it's around 30K. God damn. <laughs> yeah. And has decided to spend it by taking my boyfriend, myself, her, her other son, wow. her wife, her th- uh, a bunch of people on a big family vacation. Awesome. Except the last time I spoke to her, she was trying to devise between two possibilities. The Grand Canyon and Hawaii. <laughs> Now, brothers, I'm not an outdoor person. I have absolutely no interest in a Grand Canyon vacation. I would love to go to Hawaii. But I know that Hawaii would be significantly more expensive, especially in terms of paying for my boyfriend and myself. As we live on the East Coast and the flights would be twice as much as for anyone else on the trip, would it be impolite to express my strong preference? Should I let her take whatever vacation she prefers with her money, and that's from Craving Beaches Over Canyons in Washington, D.C. This is a really good question. And I, this is a great question. My first counter question is, what is your problem with the Grand Canyon? It rules. It's giant. It's made of rocks, and I've never been there. Mm-hmm. So but I imagine it, it would blow your tiny mind. Um, now, Travis, I don't think you're the best person to weigh in on, on this question, because if I remember correctly... You are the man who wouldn't drive four hours out of his way to see the Grand Canyon. Now, to be fair, Justin, I had a dog and a cat with me. It was a whole thing. 
It was going to be a whole deal. We would have had to take them with us. And it was like day seven of our cross-country trip. What is your problem with the Grand Canyon? Um, It's a big hole. It's just a big hole. I... Maybe maybe fill up with water and let me swim in you, lake, and then we'll talk. Can yeah. I? Grand Canyon is a shitty lake. It's a shitty dry <laughs> Wait, lake. Wait, we've really turned around on the Grand Canyon since the beginning of this question. This is the very definition of a win-win scenario. Because if she chooses Hawaii, awesome. You are going to have a fucking sitcom special episode. And it's going to be amazing, and you're going to love it. You're going to have the best time ever. Go to the Grand Canyon. Going to save a lot of money. Probably only going to spend maybe five G's on that, right? Getting there. That leaves 25 G's of this inheritance left over. I have to be very delicate with my next few sentences because I don't want to implicate myself in anything. But as I see it, if you want this inheritance to kick your way, you've got maybe six or seven people standing in the way. And the Grand Canyon, while a shitty lake, got to be so careful, so careful here. Um... <laughs> Is if things, let me think, Jesus Christ, (laughs) things that fall into it will pick up, (laughs) let's call it a fatal amount of inertia. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying anything about murder most foul, but I am (laughs) saying how quickly can you push six or seven people? All I'm saying, win-win scenario. I'm not saying murder these people if you go to the Grand Canyon, but how much, how bad do you want this money? Here is one thing. Now, when you don't decide to push them into the Grand Canyon. Don't do that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't do that. You said anything about pushing someone in the Grand Canyon. I'm saying when you don't do that. okay. When you don't do that and get them all in a line and push them in the Grand Canyon, I I cannot caution you enough against losing your nerve halfway through. Yeah. Listen, if you only do three or four, (laughs) if you only do three or four to lose your nerve, that's no good. That that nothing good will come of that. Yep, yep. Um, We're not saying any of that. I'm saying I saw a YouTube video of somebody throwing seven watermelons into the Grand Canyon, and they did not even come close to surviving the fall. And I'm also saying that watermelons are the most human-like fruit. And that's all I'm going to say. In, that's just uh, where I stand on the matter. Do you know what this question Oscar did wrong? What's that? Their, their opportunity for this, not not the other thing, but when you were talking with your with your boyfriend's mother, why didn't you say it then? Why weren't you like, oh, Hawaii would be great? Well, no, because it's her. I get it. It's her fucking money. You don't want to be like you are not a member of the family. You are dating a member of the family. So it is super not your place to be like, no, but the loophole is this. It's not like she said Grand Canyon and you said, oh, how about Hawaii? Like she said either Grand Canyon or Hawaii. All you had to do is like, oh, Hawaii sounds fun or the Grand Canyon. Either way. But Hawaii, I've always wanted to go there. It's her 30 stacks. She gets to make the call. Oh, Hawaii is. I feel like once you um uh once you pay for the Grand Canyon trip, it's pretty much paid for. Once you go to Hawaii, though, I feel like you're just begging for upsells. But what about I think burros? You're get upsold a lot. What? What about burros? You gotta pay for the Sorry. burros. Burro rental. Yeah, yeah, the very that's, cold that's donkeys. A- you gotta get the audio. That was a shitty joke. Over here is a hole. Thank you, Griffin. No, a lot of people give us give us shit for not recognizing your good jokes, and I'm trying <laughs> to get better th- about that. But that also means I'm gonna call you out when you do a fucking terrible. No, joke. No, because it's a brrr. shut shut stop it. He's a chili donkey. I I don't know how much Shanana is is going to track with the humans who listen to your program, but what I would encourage them not to do is look too deeply into the Shanan Abyss. <laughs> <laughs> because there it's not these guys were, you know, this is this, this is this uh this 50s nostalgia group that formed in 1968. <laughs> eight years <laughs> after eight years after the thing, they formed a nostalgia group, but it only Oh, here we go. The only the only reason it worked <laughs> and, and we're up to the races. Here we go. The only reason it worked is nostalgia was that there had been this profound cultural change in in <laughs> sure. music and culture, and so it truly was as though the fifties had been, you know, time warped out of existence five thousand years, and they represented a completely different culture. These guys up at Columbia University started singing these doo wop songs 
from 15 years before or 10 years before. And suddenly they're this oldies act. And then they go to Woodstock and then they get a TV show out of it. They're all really talented dudes, but none of them have, they have that, that completely it, it, like weird rock and roll pedigree, which is that they're all white guys from Massachusetts. They have no <laughs> R&B behind them at all. They're dancing and singing in gold lame and their show is somewhere between, you know, uh, 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 the malt shop and Studio 54. There's so much bared chest hair. One of the cool guys is like 37 years old and bald. It is insane. This the is show. like a warm, this is like a warm blanket, this description. They're just <laughs> draping over me on a camping trip. The question, they're just so many. I know, I know. Now, did you you shaved, right? Okay, then I'll tell you the story of Shanana. The questions that these they're talented and terrible at the same time. They're dancing. It is the laziest choreography that I've ever seen. Big Lenny, who plays the saxophone, who's from my home commonwealth of Massachusetts and is still still alive and still out there blowing sax. This guy, <laughs> this guy's got a beautiful tenor voice, but should not be on TV. Not because he doesn't have a good look, but he has no presence whatsoever on TV. He's constantly flapping his arms around while he sings like some obese bird. It's insane. <laughs> like everything about it. And, and then they all quit. They all quit and became uh, uh, doctors and attorneys and professors. One of them is a linguistics professor at Hofstra University, and uh, and they're, and they're all they're all professionals now. Those who who are still with us, uh, except for Bowser, who's still out there selling the grease, right? And then <laughs> mm-hmm. and then Jocko, Donnie, and Screamin' Scott. The nice thing about his starting in '68 with the '50s uh, uh, culture for Bowser is that now. If you are not aware of their history, he just looks like somebody who's aged really, really well. How is this guy still hanging with this this lifestyle? Because it was close right. enough to the 50s that he just seems like a really, really old guy who looks fantastic. Appending the word, by the way. Appending, uh, well, I know. Yeah, I, the, this is what this is. Well, I've been thinking about all night long, you guys. <laughs> Everyone, you know what? You can all go down this hole together. Let's go. I'm the catching up on this, John, and you are very right about this gentleman. I got distracted from the conversation, and I yeah. just wanted to say that uh, Bowser from Shadana is a co-founder of a group called Senior Votes Count, which is a political action committee for old people. You guys, I think the rest of this podcast should just be the, the sound of us all just quietly clicking the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and then just speaking up when you find an interesting shot. That's what my third of the program usually is. Is that a, is that a is that a, is that a I want to talk to you guys about imperfect foods because I'm genuinely wild about it. Uh, okay. It you okay? So here's how it works. Yeah, let me give you how the, the experience. Uh, every week that you well, hold on. Let me close my eyes. Let okay. me get in the moment. Okay. Okay. Take, paint a picture. Okay. Okay. Uh, every week you get uh, a cart pre-filled, and you go in. And you see. You open up the cart. You're oh. like, "What did you pick oh. for me?" Oh, and what did you pick Im- for me? Imperfect Foods has a variety of like fresh, delicious foods. Oh, look at this variety. A huge line of sustainable groceries that oh, embrace the natural imperfections in food. You want an ugly rutabaga? I ate that last week. I made a mashed rutabaga and uh, parsnip puree. Are you kidding me? It was delicious. And they were ugly, but it didn't matter. because I want a a fucked up kumquat. (laughs) You've got it, my friend. And uh, they have a wide variety of different stuff you can choose from. It's fresh seasonal produce, pantry staples, yummy snacks, imperfect delivers weekly by neighborhood, which is a unique Mm. model that produces 25 to 75% fewer emissions than individual trips to the grocery store. Hey, Did you, you say do you think, uh, do, do you think we're going to make a lot of money when we sell the iTunes ringtone of me saying I want a fucked up kumquat? Probably yeah. we're going to get rich and that will be perfect for us uh, because we have discerning tastes. Tastes that can only be met by imperfect foods. Uh, right now, Imperfect Foods is offering our listeners 20% off your first four orders when you go to imperfectfoods.com and use promo code MYBROTHER. They sent us a freebie box of this. I tried it, and I've been doing it every week since. Uh, I can get produce there that I can't even get 
in my regular area. I got some bok choy. I can't find bok choy in West Virginia, but I found bok choy at Imperfect Foods. 20% off your first four orders. That's up to an $80 value at imperfectfoods.com. Offer code when you use promo code MYBROTHER. Join the movement, imperfectfoods.com, and use code MYBROTHER. Do you guys have any resolutions for 2022? You want to learn a new language? Here's my my thing. You want to know my thing? Coasting. Coasting. Coasting in 2022. I just want to keep an even keel. Keep it between the navigational beacons, you know? Well, Maybe we'll talk about that next week when we do the, the year, the new year. My thing, Trav, is I actually want to learn every language on Earth so I can get a job at the United Nations and have an adventure like Nicole Kidman did in that one cool movie. Does she know every language in that movie? (laughs) I can't be right. That can't be it, Griffin. Anyways, uh, then, Griffin, you need to check out Babbel because Babbel has 15-minute lessons that makes it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. And they have 14 different languages to choose from, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German, and the other ones that I definitely could name if I wanted to. Sure. Babbel's got speech recognition technology that helps to improve your pronunciation and accent. That's incredible. And you should go check it out right now. When you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three. Just go to Babbel.com and use the promo code MYBROTHER, all one word. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Code MYBROTHER, Babbel, language for life. Also, wait, before we get back to the chucks and yucks, which is what I call chuckles and yuckles, then uh, we got some uh, quick announcements. First of all, wonderful is doing a virtual live stream this Friday, January 7th at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Tickets are $5 with an option to give more at bit.ly slash wonderfulabc2021. It's 2022 now, but you get it. It benefits the Austin Bat Cave, which is an Austin-based nonprofit organization that offers writing programs for young authors age 6 to 18, which is incredible. Also, we got new merch over at McElroyMerch.com. We got the pen of the month. That is, Everybody Has a Knife from Adventure Zone Ether C, uh, which benefits the Center for Reproductive Rights, uses the power of law to advance reproductive rights as fundamental human rights around the world. Uh, we've also got the Guppies Want Me, Blink Sharks Fear Me sticker uh, that's designed by Caitlin Eberly, who is at KiwiBiwi on Twitter. So go check those out. Enjoy the rest of the, of the best of episode. But you're gonna because it's the best, right? It's the best we it's it's the best, best we can do. It's the yeah. best we could do. Hi, I'm Annabelle Gerwich. And I'm Laura House. And we're the hosts of Tiny Victories. My tiny victory is that I sewed that button back on the day after it broke. We talk about that little thing that you did that's a big deal to you, but nobody else cares. Did you get that Guggenheim Genius Award? We don't want to hear from you. We want little bitty tiny victories. My tiny victory is a tattoo that I added onto this past weekend. Let's talk about it. My victory is that I'm one year cancer free, but my tiny victory is that I took all of the cushions off the couch, pounded them out, put them back, and it looks so great. So if you're like us and you want to celebrate the tiny achievements of ordinary people, listen to Tiny Victories. It's on every Monday on Maximum Fun. Boys, this is a game full of horse trivia. Okay. And I've got some, today we're dipping into the Anatomy questions category. Are you we ready? We have to savor these because it's the next three years of the show. Right. And go. By, okay, here we go. Gentlemen, <clears throat> by age five, most horses have how many teeth? 153. Okay, let's try again. The answer, we got A, between 20 and 25, B, between 36 and 40, C, between 60 and 71. Are we just talking about the front row of teeth? By age five, most horses have how many teeth? On the front row or the back row? Face teeth or full body teeth? Are we full body teeth? Okay, 35. Three. (laughs) (laughs) The answer was B, between 36 and 40. Oh, you're off by one. Next question. I got one more Keep question. Going. This is the best game. The left side of a horse, the side of the horse that we mount, mm-hmm. is it's called, called port. the bro- port. broad side. It's called the left flank, the mounter, or the near side. The meatus. 
<laughs> the meatus. I think okay, Griffin guesses the meatus. I think it's the horse's meatus. <laughs> I'm gonna go with the meatus. <laughs> Griffin's convinced he sold me. It is the near side. <sighs> you can really okay, get a you can get a, a really full boot in that fleshy meatus. We got a, a this a, a horse has long legs, so it can. A, Fly. run away from predators. B, jump out of the way of a predator. Chase dreams faster. <laughs> C, stomp a predator's face. C, defend itself against the predator. Mm-hmm. Uh, C, keep dry when it floods. So it can D, catch a predator. No, so it can be tall enough to eat birds right out of the sky. <laughs> now, E, so it's a little bit closer to God. Mm-hmm. God's, that's why God made his giraffe. Said, get up here. Horses, he said, get I'm up here, horse. I'm going to give you multiple choice questions. I'm not even going to give you multiple answers. When a horse's ears are laid flat, mm-hmm. what does that mean? Horny. Is Super, super All right, horny. This is lightning round. Griffin, you said horny. Wrong. Travis. Um, I made a bad investment. Incorrect. Griffin. Not horny. <laughs> if their ears, a little horny. If their ears, no, if their ears, <laughs> somewhat horny. If their ears are down, they are explicitly not an ounce of horny. <laughs> <laughs> Read the uh, room, Steve. Right by omission. <laughs> Correct. This is either angry or scared. So thank you, Reed. We're going to have Ud- I'm keeping these like on my desk. Oh yeah. So at any moment I can reach out and grab. We also have, just so you know, for the f- future, we have care questions and breed questions. Oh, tight. I can't wait for yeah. the breed questions. <laughs> I have a friend who absolutely hates the concept of laughing at bad movies. <laughs> For instance, he considers watching a movie like The Room to be a massive waste of time when he could be watching something better, <laughs> quote, like Transformers. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's the and pull of this dude. <laughs> you know, like Trans Brothers and Mr. Corbett. How can we get this farcical flick Debbie Downer in the right frame of mind, or is this a lost cause? And that's from Bad Movie Buff in Brooklyn. Oh my god, with the alliteration in yeah. your listeners. We have a we have pretty savvy, uh pretty savvy audience. This wow. actually this reminds me of the first time Griffin and I watched uh The Room with my now wife Teresa. The look on her face was like a, a combination of like confusion and frustration. She didn't and know like why we, she, she doesn't know why angry. we did that to her. Yeah, she just kept saying, what is this? Why are we, no. I'm testing you, darling. Yeah, and it was like, get it? And she's like, no, no, it's bad, it's just bad. And then we made her watch it like eight more times, and now she loves it. And oh, it's the idea, but. sort of uh, Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, it's very much like, you'll get it, honey. <laughs> He's from Stockholm. <laughs> ah, we've cracked it. Cracked it. Um, there is a, uh, there's, there's, there's a real, Problem with the premise of this question and the Transformers mention. <laughs> I mean, I don't know where to go with that because if you don't enjoy the room and you do enjoy Transformers, I don't understand you as a human being. It seems like to me like maybe his like through line, like he doesn't like really good movies or really bad movies, and he just wants it right down the center there, like milk toast, nothing. He likes the movie protagonist of 1950s version yes, of movies. Sure. Yeah. And he wants to be beat up by Michael Bay. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, I, I guess there's, why would you try to force someone to do this? I guess to marry them if yes. Travis is to be believed. But that's the only reason. <laughs> As a weird doubter. <laughs> I forget what the actual question was. I, I snagged on how do you fix? How do you fix the, this the broken The question, person. if you really break it down to, to like really parse it, is how do you get someone to like bad movies? And I don't, I, don't th- I think it's... Uh, a little questionable as a premise. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. you're not supposed to, right? I mean, well, but here's the thing: is because I was thinking about this on the way over when I got stuck in traffic. Is the idea of I didn't start liking bad movies. I started as a kid watching MST3K with Dad, sure, and then through that, like transitioning into liking bad movies. And I think that it's an acquired taste. You know, it's a thing that's like you can't show someone who's only seen like current blockbuster quote good or bad movies and then expect them to like the room and Mano's hands of fate and get it like you kind of gotta like clue them in with we're going to watch something that frames it like isn't this fun to make fun of i think i think you are really onto something and it it it, you know when i when i was working on the show my parents would watch and they could not they just couldn't get past the movies they would Mm -hmm. just go like Man, that movie was really bad. You know, that was just, just a terrible movie. So I, I, I couldn't watch anymore. <laughs> well, <laughs> sort of the point. I mean, we hope we could sort of take you through it a little bit, mom and dad. But 
Yeah, and I don't. I would never force that on people yeah. unless I wanted to marry them. Uh huh. Do you get? Them. Do you do you feel like you guys like provided a, a really valuable service to the movie industry, the filmmaking industry, where um, if a, if a movie studio, I feel like made a really terrible movie. Um, before you guys came around, it was just a total loss. It was a, it was a disaster for them. But now, if somebody makes a really bad movie, it's like, well, at least somebody's going to get some sort of like twisted <laughs> pleasure out. Like, like there is a there has been cultivated among people an appreciation for bad movies that wasn't there before. So at least we've got that. At least we'll bring some modicum of joy to people, especially now with podcasts and like YouTube. And it's like everybody talks about bad movies yeah. now in a way that like people weren't doing, you know, in the nineties. And I, I, so, for example. I was a teenage strangler was filmed in our hometown, Huntington, West Virginia. So when it was on MST3K, it was like this huge thing of like, it's back, we've done it. And and it also puts the lie to your old teachers thing about mm-hmm. nobody ever making it. Ha, ha, um, take Ms. that, Mrs. Williams. Well, Mrs. no, Williams. because we're all getting strangled. <laughs> By by uh, by a fellow native though, there right? There you go. Yeah. So I so just I lets our town in the best light. Just we're calling just, the herd. We're building a, a a staircase of of human bodies for him. There to you climb. go. Well, I you know I don't know. I, I we have wanted Hollywood to appreciate that service we provide them for years, but but so far so far nothing. No no <laughs> I just, fungible. I think uh, it, you know we're just not big enough probably to affect their sales, and that's all they care about. And when we have actually negotiated them uh, via riff tracks for bigger titles, it is all, it's like diffusing a bomb. They're very <laughs> sensitive about it. And we eventually have shook a few, you know, 90s to early 2000 titles away from them with money, just with Kickstarter wow. money. But they're just very concerned about the the relationship, the trail of relationships they have in I'm, general. I'm imagining that conversation, like, you want to make fun of Casablanca. Right. <laughs> uh, no? No, no, you can't. You can't. Come do that. on, they're all dead. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, you're right. My girlfriend and I live about 1,500 miles apart, and one of our favorite pastimes is watching MST3K and Rift Tracks together over Skype. Which MST3K episode of Rift Tracks VOD would you recommend for a young couple in love? Oh, from Amorous in Austin. I don't, you know. I guess it, if he's asking me if it's something that would enhance their love or sexual <laughs> pleasure, I'm a little scared of that question, frankly. What's I don't the think... most erotic MST3K episode? <laughs> the apple, hands down. <laughs> the Roger Daltrey looking guy running around in a loincloth. It doesn't get Can any Can you more just repeat the chapter with the sex song in it? The song that takes place in the sex I was I was drunk at that point of the movie, uh, the the time that I watched it. But th- I do distinctly remember there being a sex song that somebody sang while having sex, which I'm I guessing think is, one of your brothers can sing it. Sex song from the Apple. <laughs> oh man, it's gonna make me mad. I'm gonna. I, it's I'm, it's I'm, a double entendre, I believe. <laughs> it is a single entendre. It's one point two entendres. <laughs> I'm coming. There it there is. It is. Is memory foam bad for sex? Thinking of getting either a memory foam mattress or a topper. Update. Also, I mean good sex, not boring sex. Thanks for <laughs> any insight. Oh, well, I'm glad you clarified because memory foam's great for boring sex. I mean, I don't want to show my hand, but um, I make love like I'm slowly being absorbed by quicksand. Mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't want, here's the problem. You can use a memory foam mattress. It'll make sex sex better, but only if you get a memory foam mattress after you've been having sex for a while. Because if you have sex for the first few times on a memory foam mattress, and then later you're still having sex on it, you're gonna look at those previous indentations and mm-hmm. think, "Ugh, what was I what? doing?" <laughs> memory <laughs> foam remembers. Don't look remember that. What's with all the elbow imprints? <laughs> What was I doing? The weird thing is when you plug your memory foam into your computer and you you download all of the information and it gives you all the stats off of your previous lovemaking sessions. Yeah. Hey, it's me, Clippy. Good number of pumps there, Trout. <laughs> you want me to keep track of your pumps? It's me, Clippy. I'll track your pumps for you, Trout. Hey, have you tried Minecraft? <laughs> what if it's what if you did? I see you added a swerve, Trout. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, you need to see a doctor, Trav. We can get virus Trav. alerts. Hey, Trav, you need to compensate for the angle, Trav. You know what I'm talking about. You need to run a McAfee virus check, buddy. <laughs> Can't help but notice not cuddling afterwards, you jackass.
What if, what if, what if he ran it and his erect penis had a red squiggly line underneath it? <laughs> Oh, boy. You spelled oh incorrectly. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I it, none of us own a memory foam, right? I, no, I know that we're really making expensive. a lot. Of, I know we're making a lot of money on this show, but not that Minecraft money. Um, no. It seems to me, though, like it wouldn't be ideal unless for some reason, while you fuck... You like to have glasses of wine all around you that you don't want to now, spill over onto yourself. It seems it's so funny to me because it it seems like forty years ago the thing was like it was like water you know water mattresses yeah what are those called water beds water beds which Jesus. is like the polar opposite of memory foam memory foam is like oh you can like bounce a bowling ball and nothing happens and like a water bed is like oh you moved your elbow and you flipped the other person out of the bed yeah oh well I think that. The, I think that making love when you make love in a memory foam, mm-hmm. um, you are nullifying a lot of the Earth's natural physics and effects, and a lot of the um, simple machines featured in a traditional mattress. And I think that I think I I mean I love extreme restraints, um, but I I get by with those simple machines. You know what I mean? Springs, mm-hmm. levers. Screws. Uh, it's in, thank you. Incline, incline planes. Things like that. And in a memory foam, you are floating in the negative zone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're impri- you are imprisoned in the negative zone. And I don't you think and Zod making I, love. Making love, and, and that can be pleasurable. Kneel before Zod. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I Excellent. don't think it works for everyone. But isn't that true of, of, of all lovemaking, Griffin? Maybe one man's memory foam is another man's sleep number bed. Now, sleep number bed is another man's inflatable camping mattress. Sleep number bed would be great because I have always wanted a fuck number. (laughs) (laughs) That's something they do not feature in the advertisements. But you say, what's your sleep number? 28. What's your fuck number? 35. (laughs) Yes. And then someone's like, is that the number of people you've slept with? And it's like, no, that number is zero. <laughs> I just know my I know my fuck number in preparation for that special. They day. find that for you in the store. That number is zero and looking, mm-hmm. <laughs> ladies. <laughs> zero plus. And then you say, "Why is it zero? And he says, "True love waits." And it was a commercial for <laughs> True Love waits the whole time. Okay, guys, marry, fuck, kill. Uh-huh. Are you ready? Sleep number. Yeah. Memory foam. Yeah. Craftmatic adjustable. Oh my god. <laughs> I think kill the craftmatic just because it would kill you. I think to try and um, make that two back piece up on that, mm-hmm. you get fold up like a panini. Um, the sexiest panini. Uh, is it weird to buy toilet paper in bulk? My husband refuses to buy or be seen with me when I buy toilet paper because I prefer to buy a 24-pack instead of a 4- or 6-pack because it's cheaper <laughs> and something will always, I assume, need. You my assume. Is, I assume. <laughs> um, oh, God. My hu- Roger, my butthole is just gone. <laughs> Sweet. You know what we don't need? Roger, leaves got really soft all of a sudden. <laughs> my husband is very embarrassed by my large toilet paper purchases and believes other people will judge us and find us weird for the large purchase. Is it a legitimate concern? Is it worth sacrificing the extra dollars and time I'll spend shopping more regularly for TP to avoid having other people think I must poop a lot? That's from cabinets full of toilet paper in Durham. I When I see that at the grocery store, and don't get it twisted. When you buy a 24-pack of Charmin at the grocery store, that's all that's going in your cart. That's problem number one. Yeah. But when I see that, when I'm exposed to that, I just think, like, you've got a lot of shitting <laughs> to do. <laughs> I but, assume. Well, I, hold on. <clears throat> but what's the what's the worried implication there? Someone sees you pick up a twenty four pack of toilet paper and they're like, oh, lose butthole. Like, what's the you what's know the when judgment? you buy? I'm saying that there should be a stigma, and I'm saying like when you go to the when you go to a fucking Walgreens and you pick up a pack of rubbers or Jimmy hats or whatever the uh-huh. fuck we call them now, jazz raincoats. We, we put on 
some jazz raincoats. Or you buy them. You don't put them on in the store. Although they should let you do that because it's it's not a one size fits all thing. No matter how much they fucking tell you that. It's not a one size fits all. And the crazy thing. thing is once you get them home and open them, they don't let you return them. They don't let you return them. Especially once after you've used them. You have to Google condom sizes like some sort of caveman. But anyway. When some you, kind of Google caveman. You go to CVS. You say, let me get. And they're all in centimeters. You go to CVS. <laughs> and you say, let me get a pack of smokes. And they say, we don't sell those anymore. And you say, fuck. Let me get some Jimmy hats instead then. And you feel embarrassed about the Jimmy hats because they know that your dick's going in that. And they know that your 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 detritus is probably going in that too. And that's gross and you're embarrassed. But you buy toilet paper like, yo, you're doing some pooping, yeah? Cool, cool, cool. And it's not a thing. I think that you should apply the same level of discretion to TP that you do to 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 condoms and diaphragms and 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 I, nuvarings. I, I feel like I've mentioned this before, but I I can't help but apply narrative when I'm buying toilet paper. I always feel like the implication is whatever I'm buying with that toilet paper is going to make me poop. I feel like if I'm buying like <laughs> I, if I'm buying like a Heath bar and some toilet paper, I think the short story that I'm big day plants. I eat this Heath bar and it's gonna give me diarrhea. So I need the toilet paper for that. <laughs> That's right. You put the Heath bar on the counter and then you put the toilet paper and say, just in case. Can we? <laughs> what if we look at this as a business opportunity? And I'm always looking at things like business opportunities. Um, if we open up our own toilet paper manufacturer and distribution company, and it comes in an unmarked box, and no, no, it, you sell it at grocery stores. But it's just a single, you just buy one roll of toilet paper at a time, and the name of the company is Carpe Diem Toilet Paper Company. <laughs> that person's living for today. Levivo oh, that's him. great, because you grab that one roll, and you go up to the counter and kind of like wiggle a little bit and do a little dance, like, okay, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, come on. I, I, as much as I, I, I mean, there's another way of looking at this, which is if you buy a huge bulk of toilet paper... That's rarer that people are going to spot you buying toilet paper. Uh If you go at like two in the morning to the Walmart to buy your toilet paper, then, you know, you can never be spotted. It could be a stealth mission. You do that once a month or something. Mm. Oh, or go every day and buy a 24 pack every day and look the guy square in the eye every time. I'm back. I'm back. There is. Can I? I'm basically like a basically like a sandworm. Essentially, I'm just (laughs) I, I consume and process and expunge. Nobody. I'm also not good at conserving toilet paper. No. How many pieces? Sorry, I gotta go. Uh, nobody likes buying a huge thing of toilet paper, but there is, I think we can all admit, a special kind of feeling of security and luxury. Oh, yeah. When you peel a single roll off of a 24 pack at home and you think, <laughs> oh, man. I've got a lot of toilet paper. Whatever. <laughs> Whenever I th- that happens, I have the feeling like I'll never have to buy toilet paper. I d- again. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You buy a twenty-four pack. You're like, well, that's toilet paper sorted for life. <laughs> what next? What, Give me that next? giant container of oats. Okay, let's take my idea and flip it on the inverse, and we start a company called For Life Toilet Paper. And you <laughs> buy it. It costs how much? Would you? How much would you pay? How high is the ceiling? I would I would pay thirteen thousand thirteen thousand dollars for a four thousand eight hundred and twelve pack. Are you ready for this? You call it Call of Nature Box. Okay. <laughs> and every two weeks, someone comes to your door and just hands you. Three I don't want. An, I don't want a shit paper interaction every fourteen goddamn days. I want to <laughs> knock it out once. I want to save up my money and put in a down payment investment in myself. Why are and we this shipping is our bedroom, things to people? And this is our living room, and this is our toilet paper room. Right. Why are we shipping things to people that I would like healthy snacks that I would be proud to buy? <laughs> I would be proud to stride into the store. Why are we not secretly shipping people toilet paper? It doesn't mm-hmm. make sense to me. It's sickening. It's because it doesn't have that stigma, and we need to we need to make people ashamed of their bowel movements. Everybody just should be more ashamed of their bodies in general. Yeah. Oh God. Especially the evil that comes out of it. Um, let's try this Yahoo Auto sent in by Rachel Sperling game recognized game thank you Rachel it's by Yahoo Answers user Vicky who asks could someone pretty please write a vampire story please 
start in a dark forest at midnight, and there's a girl named Elena who gets uh-huh. hypnotized and bitten Wait, by slow a slow down, slow down. Okay, okay, okay. Start in a dark forest at midnight, and dark there is a girl named Elena who gets oh, hypnotized no. and bitten by a vampire named Josiah. I want eye contact hypnosis, please. Okay, first of all, that's called thrall. It's not called hypnosis. You're in the thrall. Jeez, Jeez amateurs. Glamour is what I prefer. Uh, glamour is something that masks you, so it's more like uh, you would cast a glamour on someone to so they would ignore you. Go, yeah, but in True Blood, they call it glamouring. They verb it. I gla- he glamoured me into doing this. I think what that is- means you dress them up in sequence and and you made them more glamorous. No, that's dazzle them. Oh, what okay. a fucking stupid show that sounds like. <laughs> Never seen it, but it sounds pretty goddamn dumb. Can someone please write me a vampire story? Please, 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 please. I'm I, there is. Not enough vampire fiction out there. Erotic so, vamp the, fiction. So is the question asker asking someone to write them a story? Uh-huh. And it's got to have a girl named Elena and a vampire named Josiah. And it's got to have eye contact hypnosis. Can I just say, I really like this because I think we could call it Choose My Own Adventure. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, hey, I'm going to tell you what I want in the story. I think I used to have a book like this where I was a little kid and mom and dad brought it, bought it for me for my birthday. Where I went to like Planet Travis and they huh, can I had just, a machine that worked on wishes. I think a choose my own adventure book is just a book. <laughs> right? I wish they, I wish they, God, I wish books would just choose the fucking adventure for me. Just tell me a story. I didn't buy this fucking thing to write it myself. This is garbage. Neil Patrick Harris, you lazy shit. (laughs) What do you think this person wants the story for? Do you think it's an assignment where they have to write it and they're going, at least I've got all the bones of it, but I just can't put the meat on it. Yeah, from from their their teacher, Miss Clitoris. She's stern but fair. Can someone fucking write this person? Okay, so let's go through it. She's in a dark forest at night. Okay, how much time do we have left in the show? Uh, Enough time to write some erotic vampire fiction. Let's, 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 let's write one. I'm the oldest. I'll start. Okay. And Travis, one sentence at a time. Oh, like an Mm, exquisite corpse? uh, Yeah. uh, Maybe not once. Okay, yeah, we'll do one sentence at a time. That'll be good. Okay. The night was dark and also horny. The the forest was as dark as it was horny too. <laughs> I'm my name is Elena, and this forest got me feeling real horny down there. <laughs> I spied a shape in the darkness that was white, but had eyes and a cape and maybe fangs. It was definitely glamorous, but also erotic. His name was Josiah. He didn't tell me that, but he looked like one. He looked like my friend Josiah. So there's more than one. There was a semicolon in there. He looked like my friend Josiah from work at Dress Barn. I got closer to him. I saw that underneath the cape, he was wearing some sensible jeans and no shirt. But he just had like a cape and his muscles were like, yes. And I didn't know much, but he was definitely bonered. I could see it through his jeans. I could see the boner through his jeans. <laughs> Another semicolon was in there. <laughs> they were as sensible as they were see-through. Uh, it's not your turn. Oh, sorry. I looked into his eyes. They reminded me of Josiah, my friend at Dress Barn. <laughs> and that's 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 when it occurred to me. I'm going to bone this dude. No, nope. I'm going to bone him. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Good. I don't know where these thoughts are coming from. Like, they definitely weren't my own. I feel like own. you're not saying yes and right now, Travis. I think you're saying yes, boners. <laughs> no, you said that's what it occurred to me, that I was going to bone this dude. Well, and, bone him real uh, and also, I, was, I hate to take umbrage, but, and then it occurred to me, it's not a complete sentence. <laughs> I, there was a hyphen. There was an ellipsis at the end. Um, chapter two. <laughs> <laughs> I got fired from Jess Barn today. (laughs) I got fired by my manager, Josiah. I thought he was my friend. Also, he has amazing muscles, and he doesn't wear a shirt, and he wears a cape. But a different cape. We're talking about a different Josiah here. I can't express this enough. I wish... I wish... Boy, I really tried to get a hook into this story, Travis. You were just not letting it happen. Here, let me try. I wish everything in my house smelled like Jess Barn Josiah. (laughs) 
<laughs> Suddenly there was a clattering at my window. It was Santa Claus. <laughs> he, I fucked my brain in the sexy stuff. Turns out Wait, what? Santa was a, was a Dracul all along. Sa- Santa climbed in my window and he opened up his sack and he, <laughs> and he let it fall to the ground. And inside there was just one gift. And it was Josiah, the vampire from earlier, not the dress part Josiah. He looked deep into my eyeballs, and I got totally, totally bonered for him. And then Santa Claus was like, Welp, <laughs> I guess I should get going. Seems like things are about to get a little bit lusty in here. I've got other sex Draculas to drop off at kids' houses like you. <laughs> and then Josiah spun around, and he... Drank Santa's blood. Oh no! Until he died. <laughs> and let me be honest, it was a huge turn on. So I reached inside of his sack and I got out hundreds of sex Draculas, <laughs> all for me. <laughs> I'm not done. I'm not done. <laughs> <laughs> I crowd surfed on the sex Draculas like Buckethead at a corn show when Buckethead was still in corn. <laughs> was he ever? Damned. Did he, gla- did he glamour him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said the thing about the eye fucking. Okay. I think we just covered all our bases there. Also, wait, hold on. Oh, hold on. Somebody's at my door. Give me a second. Oh, it's a it's a major book publisher, and we're all millionaires. So yay, yay! This is the last episode of the podcast, I guess. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. Are you feeling elevated levels of anxiety? Do you quake uncontrollably, even thinking about watching cable news? Do you have disturbing nightmares, only to realize it's two in the afternoon and you're up? If you've experienced one or more of these symptoms, you may have FNO. News overload. Fortunately, there's treatment. I'm Dave Holmes, host of Troubled Waters. Troubled Waters helps fight FNO. That's because Troubled Waters stimulates your joy zone. On Troubled Waters, two comedians will battle one another for pop culture supremacy. So join me, Dave Holmes, for two, two, two doses of Troubled Waters a month. The cure for your news overload. Available on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts.